eight days, was started before creation and was whispered throughout every day that followed. Thousands of years of prophecy and centuries of silence all led to the birth of a king. For 33 years he walked and talked and prayed and healed and showed us a perfect life of love, willingly stepping into the greatest sacrifice of all, to bring us into a defining moment that will forever restore humanity. Eight days. All right, here we go. Moment of transparency. I threw my back out. And it hurts to sit and it hurts to stand. I need you guys to pray for me so we can get through this whole thing. Here's the bottom line. There's enough medication in my system right now to make this questionable as to what direction it's actually going to go. So this is a great weekend. You showed up because I have no idea. There's no filter. There's no nothing. It's just like, let's just let her rip and see what happens. I don't remember what happened at the 930 service in its totality. So this could be really good and interesting. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. This is a fake ficus. It was standard decorating decor in every church in the 1980s, or at least it seemed like it. This one made it to 2023. I found it in the back corner of a room at Christ the King. I'm going to leave it here. We're going to come back to it in a moment because it's actually an anchor place for Holy Tuesday. We've been working and walking with Jesus through the eight days leading up to his resurrection. Pastor Brian kicked us off early with Palm Sunday. We saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem with people saying, Hosanna, God save us. That's exactly what Jesus was doing, saving each one of us from our sin. Last week, we saw Jesus show up at the temple on Sunday evening, and he just took stock. He was regulating his emotions because the next day he was going to come back in righteous anger and flip some tables, but he was never going to cross the line of sin. Last weekend, we learned how different the anger of God is from the anger that we see so pervasive in our culture. And at the end of Monday, we see Jesus. It was such a beautiful moment with, with justice in one hand and healing in the other. I mean, before the, the tables even stopped wobbling and the, do, the, the doves had stopped flapping and the money changers stopped ducking, Jesus had been approached by a group of people asking him for healing. And he moved so quickly from justice to healing. Now, before we jump into Tuesday, we actually have to go back to Monday morning so that you understand the chronology. It's important. So Monday morning on the way to clear the temple, here's what happens. The Bible says the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a, a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. And some of you are wondering, why is Jesus fighting with a ficus? Why is Jesus picking on plants? Why is Jesus flipping out on the foliage? Why is Jesus verbally assaulting the vegetation? I could keep going, but I'll stop, okay? Some of you are starting to put the timetable together and you're going, oh, I get it. Jesus is on his way to the temple to flip tables. He's just warming up on the tree. <laughs> just want to give you a heads up, okay? If you do a quick Google search on this passage, the first thing you're going to see is an apparent contradiction. There are two major accounts in the Gospels, of the cursing and the fig tree, one in Mark, one in Matthew. 
And the timeline appears to contradict each other. And this is a question, right? I'm just going to save you an email. I'm going to talk about it on the front end. In Matthew's account, Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple and then cursed the fig tree the next day. But in Mark's account, he curses the fig tree and then drives out the money changers on the same day. So it's just like, which one is it? Super quick answer. Matthew approaches all of the stories in his book topically. Mark does them chronologically. Same story, two different approaches. D.A. Carson, an amazing biblical scholar, says this. If the triumphal entry was on Sunday, then according to Mark, the cursing of the fig tree was on Monday. And the disciples' surprise at the, quick, at the tree's quick withering, along with the Jesus' words about faith, were on Tuesday. Matthew has simply put two parts together in a typical, topical arrangement. You get it? One is topical, one's chronological. Boom, drop the mic. Let's get back to the good part. Jesus just cursed a tree. And some of you are struggling with that because you're like, I don't want to see God that way. To me, God's a God of life, not death. Blessings, not curses. And, and that's so okay. But I want us to know something. Jesus is trying to tell us something here. He's not surprised by the tree, the fact that it has figs. He does, it doesn't surprise him at all. Jesus is God and he knows absolutely everything. He's trying to communicate something to us with an object lesson. This is important and it's what you need to know to figure out the story. Israeli fig trees bear early fruit and then they bear leaves. Okay, you need to write in the word early in your outline. Israeli fig trees bear early fruit and then they bear leaves. So here's the deal. Jesus walks up to the tree because it's got leaves on it. That claim is that there's fruit here. There's no fruit. This tree was guilty of false advertising. And Jesus is making a point, not about the tree, but about the whole nation of Israel. He's saying this. You claim to be the people of God, you don't know me at all. There's no fruit. You put on a big show in the temple, but there's no spiritual substance. And this is where it gets personal for us. God's saying, for some of us, you claim to know God, but by your actions, you deny me. And then Jesus said, not only am I going to give you this visual, why don't you follow me over to the temple and I'm going to show you what you've done to my father's house. You've turned it from an opportunity to worship into an opportunity for commerce. He's saying, you religious people, you talk a big game, but there's no fruit. This was the issue Jesus was addressing. It was all leaves, no fruit. Let me say it again. All leaves, no fruit. Jesus put an exclamation mark on the object lesson and he curses the tree because of its false claims. Jesus walks up to the tree. There's supposed to be fruit there. There isn't any. And Jesus takes this very, very, very seriously. Here's what happens next. It's Tuesday morning now. And we find a moment to pause. The Bible says the next morning as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. The tree's dead. The root system is dead. At this point, all of the leaves have fallen off of it. And right now, some of you are going, ouch. That feels like me in my spiritual life. All leaves, no fruit. Now, before you condemn yourself, I want you to listen to Jesus because he's going to bring hope. 
Just like he welcomed healing into a story of flipping tables, there's so much beauty here, even in the withering of a plant. So this is the heart of Jesus. With this in the background, no fruit, fake tree, this is what he wants to say. The heart of Jesus is saying, I don't want this to be you. It's a warning for all of us. Matthew chapter three, verse 10, Jesus says, even now the ax of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. That is a stern warning and that can make some of us uncomfortable. Here's the thing about a warning. It's really intimidating unless you heed it and then it can save your life. If you don't listen, a warning is ominous. If you do listen, it can actually save you. So I'm out on Sandy Point last week, went to a pastor's retreat out of Frank Talbot's house. And I noticed some signs on my drive out there, tsunami evacuation route. That's intimidating. It's intimidating unless I pay attention to it, make note of it. And then if something happens, I know exactly where to go to get out of there. Think about road signs on a mountain, right? There's a sharp curve ahead. What should you do? Slow down, heed the warning. Maybe you're somewhere, a tornado warning pops up on your phone. You've got a choice to make. You can ignore it or you can take cover. It's a warning. Jesus cursing the tree was a warning for us. Here comes some more. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act. Then Jesus asked some questions. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can also identify people by their actions. So years ago, my wife called and told me that she bought two apple trees. And I was excited, because I love apples. So I went to get the two apple trees. I was picturing two burlap bags filled with dirt and a stick coming out the top. That's what I thought I was going to get. I ended up driving home with two seven-foot Jonagold trees <laughs> that actually had root systems bigger than me, all right? I planted them, stuck them in the ground in the first year. Those two trees produced one apple. One apple. And that one apple ended up, beating, uh, ended up being eaten by a kid who was visiting our backyard. Still a little bitter. I'm just saying, okay? But we had a good laugh. We had a good laugh. And then the next day, I go outside expecting to see my two barren apple trees. And I noticed something weird about one of the trees. It had been restocked with bananas and kiwis and oranges <laughs> and pears Apparently, the little kid's parents came back and restocked my apple tree for me overnight, which I really appreciated. Funny moment, but here was the deal. The fruit wasn't real. It was supposed to be apples, and it wasn't. This is a tough truth for all of us. False fruit or fruitlessness, a life without any godly outcome, it actually leads to judgment. But I need to say it again. Jesus doesn't want that for you. Jesus wants the opposite. He wants your life to matter. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants people to be able to look at your lives and go, yes, there's this beautiful set of leaves, but more than that, 
there's fruit coming out of your life that actually matters to the people around you. So that's the warning. And then here comes the direction. This is the heart of Jesus. He goes, I don't want this to be for you, but I want this to be you. This is Jesus speaking about his desire for you. I'm going to read John 15. I'm going to read eight verses. Just soak in it for a second. I am the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. This is Jesus talking. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some really, really cool things and we'll catch up later on today. Is that what your Bible says? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. That's the heart of Jesus right there for each one of us. He's saying, stay connected with me. Trust me when I've got to prune off that lousy attitude, that critical spirit, that misguided priority. He's saying, stay connected. Become an extension of me. Graft yourself into my heart and my values because if you remain in me, I will remain in you. That's a promise. He will remain in you when life is good and when life is challenging. He says, when the fruit of the spirit starts showing up in your life, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When that starts showing up, it's actually the identity of God showing up so that other people can see it. And then he says this, then you are my true disciples. And the glory won't go to you and you'll be so good with that because all of the glory will go to your Father in heaven. That's what Jesus wants for you. And then he adds this. He says, this is, how I'm, this is how much I want this for you. Apparently, Jesus had a thing, you know, a connection with fig trees because he talks about them all through scripture. Luke chapter 13, he tells a tiny little parable. It goes like this. And then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. God's patient. Reminds me of one of my favorite verses. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. God is so patient, he gave you today. Don't waste another moment. Don't be fruitless or fake. Instead, allow God to do that deep work inside of you. Allow God to dig up the tough ground of your grudges and your habitual sin. 
Allow God to prune away that old attitude and that shallow faith. Let God pour out his spirit on your root system. Let your roots grow deep into the word of God. I was going to add something about fertilizer at this point, but it just kept going so wrong. So you can figure it out on your own, okay? Let God do his work today. Join him in that work. Pray for a harvest today. Pray that the fruit of your life would bring others to Jesus. You're like, Grant, I don't know how to do that. Start with an invitation. Start with an invitation. So I need you to picture this in your mind. You've got the backdrop now. Jesus is standing in front of a withered tree. There's no fruit. There's no life. All the leaves are on the ground. It's just dead branches. And then Jesus says something famous. But now you've got the backdrop. People often take this part of the story and they don't even mention the first part of it. Now you know the connection. Jesus is going to preach on Holy Tuesday, standing in front of a fake dead tree. This is what he said. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You know what Jesus is describing here? The exact opposite of a fake or a fruitless tree. He's giving you a picture of what your life looks like when you're producing the fruit that God is calling in and out of your life. He's saying you can actually be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. That's actually Psalm chapter one. And right here, he mentions three types of godly fruit from Mark chapter 11. You see, when you're connected to God, the God who wants you to flourish, the God who wants you to not be all leaves and no fruit, the God who wants you to be leaves and fruit, he says these are, these are three defining factors that will show up in your life. Here's the first one. It's outrageous faith. Outrageous faith. We serve a God who moves mountains, which means in faith, I believe every obstacle you're facing actually moves and shakes in your presence, not because you show up in front of it, but because of who you bring with you. See, when you show up against an obstacle, you're not alone. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are standing in a ring around you. And mountains will literally shake in their presence. You know why? Because the God you serve made the mountain in the first place. They get a little intimidated. They get a little shaky because God shows up. I believe it's time for the people of God to start rising up and speaking to the mountains in their life, taking God at his word and saying, mountain, if Jesus said you have to move, you actually have to move. Now, some of you are like, but Grant, I don't know exactly how this is gonna work itself. So here's the deal. You wanna know why you will not invite your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers to Easter? It's because there's a mountain of fear in front of you. You're so afraid of their response, you're like, I'm not doing anything. It's time for you to speak to that mountain and say, Jesus said you need to move, get out of my way. 
As I'm walking to my neighbor's home, you will no longer be an obstacle. My fear is going to literally become flat. It's going to become a flat plane in front of me, and I'm going to do what God called me to do, and that starts with speaking to the mountain of my fear and saying, in the name of Jesus, get out of my way. Now, I also believe that sometimes the mountain moves because Jesus hands me a shovel, And one shovel at a time, we start moving dirt together. I believe some of us need to begin to live in a world of faith where the mountain actually moves. Some of us need to start working in faith and partner with Jesus, and we'll start moving that mountain one shovel full at a time. 11.15, can you help me out just a little bit? I mean, that's what we're being called into, right? Outrageous faith. Another kind of fruit is bold prayers. Did you know you can ask God for anything? You can ask God for anything, and I'm not saying you're going to get exactly what you asked for, but you're going to get an answer. And whatever answer you get, yes, no, wait, or grow, it will be the very best answer because it's coming from a God who loves you and wants you to be fruitful. And then Jesus adds this. One more element, outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm gonna say them to you again. Outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. When we live as the people of God, with outrageous faith. Who are we to think we can bring clean water to a village in Honduras? You know who we are? We are the army of God. We follow living water himself. What he says can be done, will be done in the name of Jesus. We just need to get with the program. Oh no, Grant, you don't understand. There's a lot of money that needs to be raised. It's an obstacle. And in the name of Jesus, it will move. It will move Outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. My friends, let's not be afraid to pray the impossible. Some of you need to believe that God can accomplish the impossible. There are people in this room right now, your parents, and you've got a prodigal son or daughter, and you've just about given hope, up, given up hope. Because the track record is not exactly stellar. And today, something needs to happen inside of you that begins with outrageous faith and bold prayers and forgiveness wrapped together. Because you have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Everybody else has written them off, but not you. And you begin to pray with faith the size of a mustard seed because Jesus said that was enough and you ignore the detractors and you begin to pray from the depth of your gut. God, I want my son back. God, I want my daughter back. Devil, you cannot have them. I'm drawing a line around my family that you can't cross because it's the line of the precious blood of Jesus. And I'm declaring today, I believe Jesus can bring them home. I forgive them for everything that's happened because Jesus forgave me for everything. And so I'm gonna speak it out. Jesus, bring them home. Mountain of unbelief, make way. My God is a reconciler. My God restores. My God loves my child more than I ever could. I've been a prodigal to Jesus. Now he's going after my prodigal. Bring him home, God. Bring him home. That's what we need. 
Some of you have been told you've got stage four cancer, but in the depth of you, you know something. You've got a better doctor. You've got a greater physician. So you begin to pray for healing. And along the way, you forgive this person and that person, a person who wronged you, a person who hurt you. And you lay it all down and your health and your future and your life all gets laid before God because you know something about him. He's still a God of miracles. He still moves stones. He still walks on water. He still creates living things. He defeats dead. And this one thing you know, if you're not dead, God's not done. And we need to start moving in that direction. That's not fake. That's fruitful. Some of you are battling an addiction. It's beaten you time after time after time. But today, with the backdrop of a withered tree, you're going to summon faith the size of a mustard seed and saying, but my God is greater. He can break me free. And I may have to do it one shovel full at a time, but I am not all leaves and no fruit. No, today the fruit is faith. And because of Jesus, I am praying against that mountain, that addiction, and it's going to move. Today, I accept the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm going to forgive myself for all of those moments when I made false promises. And today, I'm going to go and grab a hold of the God who stands in front of withered trees and says, this does not need to be you. You do not need to be fake. You do not need to be fruitless. Instead, you can flourish in Jesus' name. So come in full circle. You have no idea how much I wanted to stand up for that part. (sighs) Coming full circle. This is a fake tree. It's a fake ficus. (laughs) It's all fake leaves and there will never be any fruit. And on Holy Tuesday, Jesus is saying, this does not need to be you. You have been welcomed into a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And today, because of that relationship with Jesus and who Jesus is, you can flourish with outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. Some of you need to give, some of you need to go. I want to invite you. If you've ever dreamed of doing something for Jesus that would literally change a person's life, you're going to walk right out of this room upstairs to 216. My friend Mike will be there and he will capture your heart with an opportunity. Some of you, instead of walking that direction, need to walk this direction and receive prayer from our after service prayer team because the truth is you're feeling a little beat up because it feels like it's fake and you need to hear the heart of Jesus for you because it doesn't need to be fake it can be fruitful if you're online right now and you'd like to send us a prayer request we would love to pray for you prayer.ctk.church but the after service prayer team is going to be here and if today anything that I said resonated along with you in your heart we want you We want you to receive prayer from a brother or sister who really cares about you. 
So you'll have that opportunity as well. Again, there's opportunities to give, there's opportunities to go. Both of them can actually be fruit in your life. So this doesn't have to be you. Let's pray together. Would you stand? You're gonna stand, I am not, okay? (laughs) Would you pray with me as we close today? Father God, I pray over, um, I pray over my brothers and sisters, Lord, and as we move out into the world today to invite, to bring, to include, to, to remove fake and replace it with fruitful. Lord, I pray that you would use them and bless them in the world that you've placed them in. God, I thank you that fake is not your heart for us. No, you want us to bear good fruit. So Lord Jesus, I pray right now that we would be courageous. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would live with outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness this week. God, thank you for this beautiful picture, this sobering picture on Holy Tuesday. God, we want to say that we understand your object lesson. And now we want to flourish. So Lord, for those that need prayer, Lord, may they have the courage to come. May those that need courage to go to a neighbor or an employee or a coworker and invite them for Easter. For those that need to walk upstairs and talk about possibly going to Honduras down the road. Lord, for those that need to to just step out of their comfort zone and move, Lord, I pray and thank you in advance that you will meet us there. God, next week we're going to talk about Judas. That could be very, very challenging. But Lord, in every story, you've always brought us hope. So we cling to that as we continue to walk through eight days that change the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. 1115, you're out of here. God bless you.